Welcome to On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis, a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. This podcast is titled Returning to School in Normalcy. And joining us are Mary Egan, CADC, Rosecrans Director of Outreach, and Jessica Caffel, CADC, the Student Assistance Coordinator and a Counselor at Carl Sandburg High School and Amos Alonzo Stag High School. And I'm John Williams. You can hear me weekdays from 9 to noon on WGN Radio. With a long history of leadership in treatment for sub substance use, and mental health disorders, Rosecrans has grown to more than 60 locations across Chicago, northern Illinois, and central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Rosecrans is a private, not-for-profit organization offering comprehensive, nationally accredited, evidence-based addiction and mental health treatment for children, teens, young adults, and adults. In this series, we will focus on youth and their pandemic-related recovery. Knowing that young people face challenges in the best of times, the coronavirus world of 2020 and 2021 have made some of life's obstacles even more acute. Ladies, thanks for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about Rosecrans. What does a director of outreach do? Hi, yes. So I work with um, some staff who work in the schools who are um, doing a similar job to what Jessica does. They're um, connecting with students in the schools and providing services in the schools. Uh, I'm also working with our professionals or referral sources who are trying to, you know, get their clients connected to services at Rosecrans. So, Mary, there's a bunch of other Jessicas out there Mm -hmm. for you. And so, Jessica, then you're on the ground then. What do you do? I guess function as a counselor at the school? That's correct. So as a student assistance coordinator, so I'm a counselor. I just deal with any kind of drug and alcohol related situations. So I work a lot with our dean's office. So if there's ever um, a student under the influence or has drug paraphernalia, or things like that, I get it brought into those situations. Um, and I'm kind of the middleman. So I help families get connected to resources. Um, and then we have different programs at the school to help um, lessen discipline um, so that, again, families can can get connected to resources. To lessen way. discipline? Yep. So, for example, um, in those severe situations, say there was a student who was under the influence, they would have a 10-day out-of-school suspension. Um, they can buy down to five days um, so long as they get a drug and alcohol assessment completed. So that's where we refer students to Rosecrans or other treatment facilities. I see. So if if they're high at school or you mm-hmm. find a joint or something else, mm-hmm. you're the person that's talking to them. Well, the dean's office first, and then, yep, and then the dean's office brings me. And what's that conversation like? It's different in every situation. So the the deans will do their investigation first off, and then when they have the family come into the building, then that's when they'll bring me in. One, for the student support. So I do try and, um, you know, if they're upset or anything like that, I can kind of talk things through with them. Um, And then also provide support to the to the parents and kind of talk through the situation a little bit with them um, and what the next steps are going to be are to the try parents, and get the kids help. Yeah, pardon me. Are the parents usually surprised to see themselves sitting in your office talking to that kid and to you? Absolutely. They Absolutely. Are, we try and we, because there is the dean's piece and there's my piece, um, you know, we try to collaborate and, and, and not 
bombard the family either and make it so overwhelming because they're just finding out that their student was, you know, caught with something or under the influence. So in, and in a lot of cases, parents have no idea. Um, so I do follow up with them afterwards to make sure that they're getting connected, that they are getting a drug and alcohol assessment completed um, and follow th- following through with programming. Makes you appreciate another thing that schools do, I guess, right, Mary? If if the parents didn't realize that, but at least the school is a place where the behavior gets noted and dealt with, absent an in-school education, in-school learning, I wonder if these problems are getting worse, right, or, or, or less detected, if you will. Yeah, that's certainly a concern that we have because there haven't been um, an opportunity for uh, students to be connected in school and to have professional eyes on them and to get those professional supports. Um, we know that there's a lot of barriers in accessing treatment and services, and there sometimes can be parent denial or just lack of understanding or knowledge. And so the more that you bring sort of the village together together, you know, and um, talk about and have this conversation with parents and students, you're better able to move them forward and to get them into services. But we haven't had that community. We haven't had that community, Mm -hmm. at least in the year 2020. For some families, it's been more than 12 months. Right. And so that's what the concern is, is that, you know, are we going to see what's called the epidemic within the pandemic, you know, with these students that there haven't been this these normal structures and routines and accountability. And so what we're seeing at Rosecrans is that a lot of the students or, or teens who come into treatment, their acuity or severity of their illness has progressed. So they're coming to us from hospitals or they're coming to us from um, probation or legal issues. And so it's really gotten more severe to the point of a crisis, and that's when then they're connected with Rosecrans. Well, how are you able to access these kids then, too? Are you able to do it online, or maybe if it's a hybrid situation you have access, what's it like? Yeah, so in the spring, when COVID first hit, we were calling families, and it was all phone services. Luckily, since the fall, um, and we've been very fortunate district, our Um, staff have been in the building since the beginning of the school year. Our students returned um, to two days a week coming from um, starting the end of September. Um, And just as of yesterday, now we have students in the building four days a week, um, or they have the option to still stay remote. So at least we're getting more more of the connection with our students again. Um, But we do, I do a lot of virtual services. So um, I'll have Google Meet counseling services with students, or it's a lot of phone conversations with with parents and families. For both of you, how how does that work over a computer screen? Does that get the job done? Is it possible to have meaningful dialogue that way? I do feel like that's more helpful than just a conversation over the phone because I can see them. I think students have gotten in a mode of turning their cameras off or they'll have it facing the ceiling. And I'm like, no, 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 I need to see you. (laughs) And that way we can actually have a a face-to-face conversation because I feel like that's much more meaningful. I know Rosecrans provides services that way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, and it's hard for parents to take that step if they're starting to see signs and symptoms of substance use or mental health. And so, you know, the first step is picking up the phone to call. And, uh, you know, we, we understand we've been there. And not all teens need residential treatment. Some teens might benefit from some prevention and education, which we've been able to provide virtually as well. Um, because sometimes 
teens, as Jessica's talking about, might have just made a really poor decision and mistake and would benefit from some education. You know, some obviously have progressed further and might have a substance use or mental health disorder. So that's when then we start to do that assessment and look at outpatient or residential treatment. What do you mean by education? I mean, the child knows that Either they're not old enough to drink or they shouldn't use drugs. What's the education? Well, it's about making good decisions because sometimes teens get caught up with their peers or thinking that this is something all teens do and then I have to do it too. So it's really examining their decision-making process um, so that they can make a different decision moving forward. Has the pandemic made it easier to manage those situations because they aren't interacting with maybe some of those kids, uh, some of the, that peer pressure? Yeah. So what we've seen is sort of when people ask the question, is there more or less substance use in this pandemic? And we say yes and no. So for some teens that have use just with, you know, their friends when somebody else offers it, they don't use it on their own, their use has actually declined. It's lessened. But kids who were using regularly before the pandemic, their use has increased because they see it or they use it as a way to cope or to deal with this stress and anxiety and of this pandemic. And so they're using more and their normal structure in life has been eliminated, right? So they're not going to school every day and having to sit yeah. in a classroom. Would you say that both sets of parents in the two cases she just described might not even realize that that problem is there? Absolutely. I'm still a little surprised by that. Anecdotally, I've known adults whose children were users, and at some point you're aware of it, right, mm -hmm. when yes. it's really acute. Mm -hmm. But I guess there's always that first blush, right, where you mm -hmm. first come to terms with it, mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think now it's much easier for, te for teens to conceal as well. Um, I, with dab pens or these THC vape pens, I mean – there's no odor to them. So a lot of times, I mean, a kid can be smoking in their room and their parent would have no mm -hmm. idea. Um, and they're so small as well that, I mean, I have, they can just keep it in their pocket and um, you wouldn't have any idea. Well, I wonder when the students come back, I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder what it's going to be like for the students, for the parents, for the teachers. What are your thoughts about that? Can you repeat the question? Sure. I wonder what it's going to be like when the students go back for the teachers, the parents, everybody. Is it going to be different? Are we all going to be back where we were when we left two marches ago or or what's it going to be like? I I think we're we're anticipating maybe the worst, you know? I think we we have to go forward I should say, I think going forward, we're going to have education in place, one for our staff so that they feel prepared and they feel ready and, um, you know, they know how to respond in certain situations. Um, if there is some a student who's having social emotional issues or if there is a substance abuse concern so that they feel they know how to get those kids connected to our social workers and to our counselors and they know how to respond in those situations. But I think I think. You know, with the kids coming back, it, it, it might be easy transition for some kids. I think we've already seen that with some of our kids, but I think for, for others, it, it might be really difficult. Yeah, so if you're a teacher and you're listening to this or a school administrator, some of the kids might surprise you coming back with some of the problems that might surface. Some of the kids who you did not anticipate would be having problems 
before right. may in fact now be demonstrating them. Right. And one of the things we know that substance use or mental health disorders can really begin in adolescence. And so, you know, and they can really take off quickly with teenagers when they start use because their brain is more vulnerable and, you know, they're using more potent p- products. And so really it can start very quickly. So you had talked about, you know, what do we do with prevention and education? Because sometimes for some of these kids, it's the beginning of their substance use disorder. And so we're connecting um, parents and students with professionals at that point, And so they have some tools as they continue to move forward. You know, addiction and mental health are still continuing despite the pandemic. And so Rosecrans is here to help. We haven't closed. We're still here to help. And so you know, I think really parents really just need to reach out and connect with resources and to make that first call. Well, I like to say the kids are resilient, you know, that they can get through this, but maybe not on their own. Um, how resilient are the kids, right? Like how much can we expect that they'll self-correct or how much help do they need? What is your thought about that? Some, I think, are incredibly resilient, you know, and have adapted to this pandemic and adjusted to the changes, and others are really struggling. And so those are the ones that we want to connect with and the parents we want to connect with that Rosecrans is here um, to help because this substance use or this mental health might really be increasing in severity, as I talked about earlier. And so, you know, we really need to connect them with treatment and resources so that their child can get help. But about the resilience the kids have, can either of you talk a little bit about how kids have been coping during the pandemic positively or, or negatively? I think it's there's both ends of the spectrum. I think I've I've had students who have done really well actually in this environment, um, being away from negative influences at school, and they've actually grades are actually doing much better than mm-hmm. you know being at home than when they were in school. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where they really are struggling. Um, they need those positive supports like their teachers or counselors that they can turn to and talk to because they don't have that right now. I wonder if we could all skip. You know, when we were 15 and 16 and just all the emotional turmoil and all the unpleasantness that that was. It was also the most fun and exciting time of your life, too, Mm -hmm. right? There's just change and there's great things, too. But I just wonder if that you've sort of skipped those moments of social interaction that could be uncomfortable, if there's a benefit to that or if we'll have to pay the price for that down the road. Eventually, these issues, these emotions have to be dealt with and that the kids have been home for a year isn't going to prevent that, right? Well, I think that's one of the things that we need to communicate to parents is that we need to talk about these changes. This is a unique time in history. It's affected all of us. We've all lost so much, and especially teens, you know, all of those normal milestones in life. And so talking about that it's okay not to be okay, you know, that you're struggling, that it's, you know, there's challenges to talk about these things, you know, and not sweep it under the rug. Um, I think is one of the first steps that parents can do. Um, also, really just listen to your child. We all get so busy and in our lives, and so really listening to them. And, and I think as parents, we're all so quick to offer advice or offer our opinions or our experience. And so we really just need to listen to our teens and to understand what they're experiencing or feeling. I wonder if it would be helpful to... <laughs> We, we sort of um, talk at the radio station about the fact that it seems like this is all we've been talking about for mm-hmm. the last year is the pandemic. But I wonder if 
parents should engage, teachers should engage with these young people, like about the news of the day and how the world has been dealing with it. And I don't know where the vaccine or the treatments are or just how society in general has changed. Maybe that would make them feel like, wow, I'm not alone in this, that that um, other people, the whole planet has been struggling with this thing as well. Exactly. I, I don't know how many parents sit down and talk about the day's news with their kids, but maybe that's a way to kind of get inside their world right now. Well, exactly. And I think because we've all experienced this change, you know, in our life that we need to talk about it to find a sense of balance again, because we're not going back to the way we were before, but we need to find the sense of balance of how do we move forward, you know, in this new normal. But I uh, go ahead. Um, So and, and at the school, I feel like that's where our roles, like as social workers and counselors, we've been trying to do more of the prevention piece um, since we don't have so much of the kids in the building. Um, where we are sending, we did a virtual presentation for parents so that they can sit down and watch it with their children and have these talking points, um, specifically for suicide prevention, for substance use awareness, um, things on what to look for, um, and they have those open conversations with their kids. Yeah. I suppose on the one hand, you want to give the kids space to feel awful and to just be in a bad mood because that's the world we live in. But then you also have to sort of wonder, maybe this is more than that. I need to be more proactive. Do you have any advice for parents or teachers about when to intervene and when not? As an adult, you get a hunch. You kind of know if something's off. You got to look for different behaviors that isn't the ordinary for that child. Think about that. I mean, it must be challenging to know Mm pre-pandemic when to intervene. Mm -hmm. The the child is acting unusual. Well, guess what? They're 16. So is this the pandemic? Is it something that's spiraling out of control? Or should I give them their space and let them be in a foul mood? Because we all are right now. Right. And that's the question. Is this is this just normal teenage, you know, behavior and moods? Or is this something that's becoming a little more beyond that when trusting your gut that maybe this is beyond and, you know, and I think what's so hard about behavioral health is that there's still so much stigma or lack of understanding about what it is and what treatment is all about, that, you know, it's so hard to take that first step. And because when you acknowledge that there's a problem, then you have to do something about it, right? So the first step is just really acknowledging that, ooh, mm, this isn't quite right. And so then it becomes, what do I do? And do I feel like shame or what are my neighbors going to think about this? And so that's why at Rosecrans, we want to really be that kind and caring and informative voice on the phone when parents do call. Yeah. I wonder if, too, you would almost say, hey, teachers, hey, parents, hey, counselors and coaches, give the kids a longer leash now. Maybe be, I don't know, maybe this is bad advice, less academically demanding or less expecting of certain behaviors because the kids coming back are just going to have to readjust to what the new normal is. Do you, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, it is a new normal. Um, and I, we've all experienced some loss in some way this last year. And for teens, especially all those normal milestones in life, they've not experienced, you know, adults, our lives are sort of similar in some ways. We're teens, it's only four years of high school. So how many teen dances or football games? And so we've all experienced this loss. And, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, are you dealing with it in positive ways or in negative, unhealthy ways? I just imagine if I were a teacher, (laughs) I'm glad I'm not right now, (laughs) but I would, as the kids are maybe the first time or every time they come back into the classroom, I would say, let's all take a breath. Let's all, um, you know, walk, not run right now. Let's just kind of get up to speed, make it a transition uh, back to normal. I, I guess it. Every classroom will find its own footing, but I would. I would sure try and be extra considerate of the emotional baggage the kids are bringing in. Even though they wear in the same clothes, have the same hairdo, maybe those are different kids that are coming back into the classroom now. Would you think there's something to that? Absolutely, and I think that's the hope for when we return next year as well. Is that to start out the year just rebuilding those connections and rebuilding those relationships with our students? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Ladies, anything else that you want to make sure we get into this podcast? Uh, we're talking about returning to school, returning to some sort of normalcy. Is there something else you think that parents or teachers should be thinking about when we, as we all go back? Well, certainly if a parent is noticing any kinds of changes in their child's behavior or mood is to reach out and to seek resources and to call Rosecrans. We're here to help. You know, and the other thing I think is to say that, you know, if your child does need treatment, treatment is effective and does work. So it's not the end of the world, right? You know, um, sometimes people think that's the worst possible thing that could happen. And treatment is very effective and treatment works. What a great line. I mean, pardon me, but really treatment could be the best thing that could happen too. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. You can get your child back. You know, our Rosecrans tagline is life's waiting. And that I, I just feel so strongly about that, that life is waiting all the good things of life as we return to our normal or new normal life, right? And if there is a substance use or mental health disorder, you know, Everybody could use some help sometimes, right? Get your car fixed. You get yeah. your furnace fixed. Go to the doctor. You know, we all need help. And so that could be the the best thing that could happen to you and your family. Yeah. And a last thought from you, too, maybe to parents and teachers as we go back. Any things to expect or how would you tell them to cope? Yeah. So first off, I, I have to thank all of our educators because they have just gone above and beyond through this pandemic. Um, they've literally brought their own classrooms into their homes. And I know just watching my own coworkers, they just learning the technology piece of it and just going above and beyond with everything. So um, they've been phenomenal. It's It's been an incredible to watch. Um, and being able to still have those relationships and rapport with students where you know, they have been able to make referrals to the counselors or social workers um, if if they know that a student is, is struggling. So that's been huge. Um, and I think just like Mary said, you got to they have to trust their gut. And, um, you know, when everybody is fully back in the building and to know um, our biggest motto in our district is see something, say something. Um, so to make sure to get the kids connected to, you know, the mental health professionals in the building so that we can get them connected to Rosecrans um, so that 
they can get the help that they need. And I suppose the, the teachers themselves need to allow themselves an opportunity to cope, too. That Absolutely. breath before they start teaching might be for them as well, right? Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Yeah. I, I, anybody as, that knows a teacher knows how hard this has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as educators and even for our counselors and social workers, it's it's about taking care of yourself first as well. Um, they definitely have to take care of their own their own needs before we can help other people. Yeah. No kidding. Jessica Caffel, CADC Student Assistance Coordinator and a counselor at Carl Sandburg High School and Amos Alonzo Stag High School. And Mary Egan, CADC Rosecrans Director of Outreach. I'm John Williams, and this is On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Click on rosecrans.org or call 866-330-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting.